Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. I want to welcome everyone to Pathway Church today on this beautiful weekend, and it is so great to be here, and I hope you're excited. I'm excited to be here to really dig in deeper to this series we call The Heart of the Matter. And in this series, what we're talking about is the heart of the matter of really this key area of our lives of generosity and opening our hands and giving. Now, even as I say that, Many of us get uncomfortable in church when we talk about giving. I know I'm the same way. I get uncomfortable because it involves this, right? Now, some of you are like, what the heck is that thing, right? This is, I'm going to open it so you can see it. This is a checkbook. How many of you still use checkbooks? Lots of you. One of my children told me, if I use a checkbook, it just proves how old I am, right? Checkbooks are the way that we used to pay all of our bills, for those of you who don't know that. And I had an interesting question from one of my young cousins. They said, how did you know when someone gave you a check, it was good? And I was like, you didn't know. It was part of the adventure, right? There was no transfer of funds. It was like, you didn't know. You trusted them. But we think generosity and giving is about this. But really, what we're talking about in this series is it's so much deeper than that. It's about the heart. And that's why in this series, we're using this verse as really a clarifying verse for what the goal is, what we're all seeking after. And it's Psalm 51.10, and it says this, Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now I want you to think about that verse. That, that really, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, I think you read that verse and you would say, I want that. I want a clean heart inside of me. And I want you to know that if you looked inside this checkbook 
or my bank statement or whatever, it is a doorway into my heart. It shows you what I care about. You know, it would show you in the last month it feels like I've paid $1,000 for groceries. How many of you feel that way? So evidently, I'm still feeding my children. I care about them. But it also show you a little trip to Cabela's that I took, right? So that tells you something about me as well. So if you look through that, it really is clarifying. But also, the power of our resources has a way of leading our hearts as well. When we give, it leads our hearts into a cleaner place because we're open. But I know for me, when I think about my resources, I hold on really tight. And it's kind of why we're all uncomfortable when we talk about this in church. When we talk about this and our resources as it comes to God, we love freedom, we love forgiveness, we love salvation, we love heaven, just don't talk about money, right? That's how we feel. I think there's a reason that we feel this way. I know there's a reason I feel this way. And it's because I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. You see, when I think about holding onto my resources tight, I think about all the areas of my life that I have given up, that I have surrendered. That's a war term, surrendered to Jesus. You know, he has a lot of my heart at this point after following him really consistently for 20 years. But there's one area of my life I really don't want to let go of and surrender. And that's my bank account, that's my resources, that's the things that I have. Now this word surrender is a war term. It's a term of giving up in, in a conflict. Now many of us, we're more familiar with this word now because of the conflict that is going on in Ukraine. It is a bloody, miserable war for the people that are there. You know, I hope that you're praying for the people that it's not just images on a TV, but you're like, man, there is suffering of millions of people right now. And we need to pray that God would bring peace, that he would protect the people, and that he could ultimately use it to bring people to him. But it is ugly. And you know, I remember early on in the conflict, it was like these analysts on TV, it was like they were, making, they were like looking at a basketball game or something. And trying to predict when the Ukrainian people would be forced to surrender and give up. But you know, in the midst of all that conflict, that's been one of the most inspirational things, hasn't it? Is the spirit of the Ukrainian people. Men putting their families on buses and them grabbing rifles and fighting tanks. Because they have this spirit that they will never surrender and they will never give up. Now this spirit really starts with their president, President Zelensky. Have you seen him out there with the people? Like, he's inspirational. And when you see this never give up spirit in people, like it is something that it's like, man, you see the courage and you want that for your life. And that's the spirit that they need to have in this moment. But you know, inside of all of us, when we talk about the heart, there's a conflict, there's a war that goes on inside of our hearts all the time. 
And a lot of times we don't know who are we fighting against. But when we're unwilling to surrender, because surrender of our heart as a follower of Jesus is a good thing, we're actually fighting a battle against God. So surrender would be the best thing that we could do. Because surrender of the heart is this. It's basically giving up our will and our desires for God's will and his desires. Now, you know, that sounds, honestly, if you're a follower of Jesus, that sounds like a wise thing, right? God knows what's best. He sees farther out than we do. And so for us, surrendering to God all areas of our life sounds like a great idea. But we don't do it, do we? I know I don't do it. And the reason is, is because I think I know better what's good for me than God does. I think I'm smarter. And I know my wants and desires. And honestly, I'm not willing to open my hands and to allow him to guide those desires to line them up with his. Does this sound familiar? This is me. I'm going to prove to you this is me. And this is a painful story. So about 10 years ago, I had the great opportunity. I was a full-time farmer. Some of you know this. On my family farm. And Pastor Carter and the leadership here at Pathway invited me to become the Goddard campus pastor. And I said, God, I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to do this. I even had people like patting me on the back. Like, it's just so amazing how you surrender. But the truth was, there was one thing that I wasn't willing to surrender. You see, two years prior, I'd worked my entire life where I could buy my own farmland. It wasn't my dad's. It wasn't somebody else. It was mine. And so I purchased a piece of farmland all myself. And when I say all myself, I paid a little and the bank paid a lot and I was going to have to pay them back. How many of you have bought stuff for yourself like that, right? Sounds familiar? It's like uncomfortable laughter. We really don't own it. So I bought this piece of land and it was like a dream come true for me. Like it's something I dreamed about my whole life and I'd worked hard to do it. And so I purchased this land, and I mean, it felt like in my soul I'd arrived. And then two years later, I began to pray, like as I was going into full-time ministry, I knew he wanted me to give everything else up, but I was like, God, surely you don't want me to give this up. Surely you don't want me to give it up. And I don't give up. I don't give up. I don't. I don't surrender. And so I prayed, and every time I prayed, it got uncomfortable when I came to this because I knew God was telling me and just showing me that it's like, this is going to make your life complicated. This is going to be a distraction from what you want. It's not going to let you free. You should sell it now. And I remember praying and saying, that can't be God because I want this. I'm not willing to let it go. And so I held on to it. Any of you ever held on to something real tight that you knew that God wanted you to open your hands, but you just wouldn't do it? You just wouldn't give up. No surrender. No surrender. And so I held on to it, and for five years, it worked great. I was like, that must not have been God because the farm was paying for itself. As we'd get the crops in, I'd sell them, 
and I'd make the payment to the bank. Well, at year six, the grain markets crashed. And when I say crashed, they went down by 40%. And so then the crazy thing was the bank still wanted their money. That's happened to some of you before too, right? The bank still wanted your money. And when I looked in this, I was like, whoa. I'm going to have to get in my savings. I'm going to have to sacrifice things I don't want to sacrifice. And I was like, wow, I am stuck. I am stuck. It got to the point after a couple years that my wife, who was working hard as a stay-at-home mom, and we feel like that was what she was supposed to do, we looked at each other one day and we said, you know what, you're going to have to go get a job so you can bring money in. And you're not going to do what we really think you need to do. Man, I was in a dark place because my lack of surrender that I thought I knew better than God brought me into a really, really painful place. You know, I wonder about you. Have you ever held on to your desires and your wants and it got you in a bad place? You see, I believed I knew better. I wasn't going to surrender. Never give up. And I found in my life, especially when it comes to this, man, I never give up. I'm not willing to surrender. You see, that's the heart of the matter, is the lack of surrender that is inside of me. My guess is if I shared that story We all have stories like that, right? There's a part of our heart that we're not willing to give up. Never give up. Well, there's a man in the scriptures who was never give up greater than any of us were. And this man's name was the Apostle Paul. And so we're going to look at his story that's found in Acts chapter 9. Now, the Apostle Paul in this story that we're going to look at, his name's not Paul at this point, it is Saul. And the reason his name is Saul here is because of really what happens in this story that is so dramatic that he ends up having to change his name. It's that crazy. You see, Saul never surrendered and never gave up. That was his attitude. He was a Jew of the Jews. And what I mean by that is he had climbed the power structure of the Jewish faith to where he was a Pharisee. He was trained in the law. And so he had all this status, all this power. And you see, he had a problem because there was a movement of Jesus followers that just sprang up out of nowhere and they threatened everything, all his power. It looked like to him that they were going to try to tear down the Jewish faith and take it all away. And remember, Saul is never give up, never surrender. And so in the city of Jerusalem, he murdered Christians. We see an account where he held the coats of those who stoned one of the disciples, Stephen. We also see where he put such fierce persecution that the believers were scattered. They had to leave Jerusalem. But remember, Saul is never surrender and never give up. 
So just them leaving town was not enough. And so we're going to pick up the reading in Acts chapter 9. You can actually open up your Pathway Church app and follow along in the message notes, or it'll also be up here on the screen as we kind of dig into the man who wouldn't give up and never would surrender. So it says there in Acts chapter 9, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So you see, he wasn't willing to give up. He was taking this show on the road. He was going to track them down. And he was going to drag them back to Jerusalem, put them in prison, and crush the way, which was the way, the Christians who were preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, this threatened everything he was. And I want you to think about Saul's life. Now, I think there was part of him that thought, you know what, I'm doing this for God. And we tell ourselves that sometimes. I'm doing this for God. But you know what's amazing about this story is you have to understand that Saul lived in the city where Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave. He heard the stories. He heard these stories. He heard the stories of the disciples doing miracles. And he wasn't willing to even see if it was true. So you have to ask yourself, why wasn't he willing to see if this was true? It was just like me in that farm. You see, my identity was so wrapped up into that. My success, my power, how it made me feel, I wasn't willing to even, or even be open to the idea that God would want me to be open. That's where Saul found himself that day. Is he was just like, there's too much to lose. We got to take them down. He was never going to give up. And so what we see is Saul taking this show on the road, and he takes it to a place called Damascus. But on the way, something kind of unusual happens to him. It says this in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, I think this is amazing. Because what you see is Jesus saw that Saul maybe had a spirit of, I will never get up, give up more than any person. But he also saw inside of Saul the potential to be used in mighty ways for God if he would just surrender and open his hands. And so Jesus takes matters in his own hands and he knocks Saul down. And actually the scripture goes on to say he makes him blind. He cannot see. And so he knocks him down, makes him blind, and then he says, Saul, do exactly what I tell you. Go into the city and wait. 
And so an amazing thing happens here is Saul actually surrenders. He actually does because he's knocked down. He's blind. This voice that is Jesus tells him to go into the city and wait. And Saul goes into the city and he waits for three days. And he doesn't just wait. He doesn't eat or drink. He's afraid to do anything other than what the voice says. He's like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do exactly what he says. I'm going to change my desires for God's desires and do exactly what he said. That's what surrender of the heart looks like. And so what we learn from Saul here is that surrender is accelerated when you get knocked on your backside. You see, that's what happened to Saul as he was knocked on his backside He was made blind, and he was like, okay, you have my attention. I'll do whatever you say. You know, this is a point in all of our lives where we get knocked on our backsides. The story I told you, when when my wife went back and left the home to go work out in the marketplace to make money so we could pay my debt, was the moment where I was knocked on my backside. Some of you today are knocked on your backside. It might not just be in this area of finances. It might be something else. It's probably something else we're holding on to really tight. Because what we find in the journey of surrender, that when we get knocked on our backside and it's accelerated, this process of surrender, we learn this truth, is that your heart is tied to what you hold tight. You see, Saul found that out in that moment, that he'd actually been going the wrong way, but his heart was tied to what he was holding tight, and he needed to let it go. So he surrendered, and he let it go. Now, when we surrender to God, the good news is he doesn't leave us on our backside. He doesn't leave us in a place where we're blind and we're just waiting. So Jesus actually sends a man named Ananias to see Saul, and we're going to look at that and see what happens. It says this in Acts chapter 9, 17 through 19. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. You see, surrender doesn't just accelerate through being knocked on your backside because God won't leave you there. Surrender actually does something very powerful. You see, Saul was seeing the world one way when he began that journey to Damascus. And then he surrendered. He did exactly what Jesus said. Jesus makes him blind. And then Saul learns that surrender gives us new eyes. You see, Saul had new eyes to see. When he exchanged his desires for God's desires, he got a new way to see the world. You know, for me, what this looked like in my journey is is one day I drove home 
And that payment, you know, that bank wanting the money again, was looming over my head. And I can honestly say about seven years into this, I never prayed a prayer and said, God, I'm open. I sometimes prayed a prayer and I said, God, give me the money so I can make the payment. But I never was open to selling this land. Never. Never open. Until one day when you're knocked on your backside and you're like, I can't take it anymore. God, I heard you the first time way back there. And so I prayed and I said, God, I'm open. God, I'm open. If you can make a way so that someone will come buy this, I don't care if I make any money. I just, I just know I need free from this. I'm open to give up my desires for your desires. And God, if I do make any money, have you ever made a deal with God? How many of you made a deal with God? How many of you have prayed a prayer? It's really crazy when you do this, right? You're like, God, I'll do anything. And so I prayed in that moment. I said, God, whatever I make, I will give you 10% of it just as an offering so that you understand and so that I lead my heart. Remember, this leads our heart. This leads our heart so that I would lead my heart into full surrender. And I didn't just pray that prayer one time. I prayed that prayer hard over two years, but I was open. And I found when I became open, what God gave me was new eyes. He gave me new eyes to see that I was so focused on the weight of this problem in my life that even though it was still there, I was missing. I was missing the things of his kingdom. You see, what happened to Saul was when he got new eyes, his kingdom disappeared and God's kingdom appeared. That's what surrender does, is we get new eyes and our kingdom doesn't seem very important. And so we open our hands and then we see God's kingdom. We see the people that he wants us to reach out to. We see the generosity, the giving, how we, he wants to use our resources. We see what our lives should truly be about. You see, that's what happened to Saul as he got new eyes. And when he got new eyes, it changed everything. Because something very dramatic, after he got these new eyes, he was baptized, he opened his hands, he fully surrendered to God. Just shortly after a few days, something unimaginable happened. It says this in Acts chapter 9, 19 through 22. This is right after it says he was baptized. This is crazy. It says there, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, Jesus does something crazy in our lives when we surrender. When we surrender, it is truly dramatic. Our hearts, remember, it's the heart of the matter. Our hearts change, and that's what happens to Saul. Because surrender means we move in a new 
direction. Would you say Saul moved in a different direction? He was on his way to Damascus to arrest the Christians. And then all of a sudden, just a few days later, he's in the synagogue and the Jews are thinking, this is our boy. This is our guy. He's going to lock all these Christians up. And he begins to share with them how Jesus is the Messiah. You see, in that moment, what happened in Surrender for Saul is he had a new direction and he changed God's or his desires for God's desires. He gave up his status and his power in that moment when he walked into that synagogue. You think about that. He gave it all up. He surrendered. You see, that's what God wants to do inside of each and every one of our hearts. Is he wants us to be willing to exchange our desires for his desires. He wants to accelerate this process of surrender in our lives. He wants to give us new eyes. And he wants to give our lives a new direction. You know, after about nine years in my journey of surrender, of letting go, something amazing happened as I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. It's not even advertising that the land was for sale. Someone just walked up to me one day and said, I'll buy your land. And here's the price, and it was actually more than I needed. You see, that's what God does when we surrender. His things come out of nowhere. You know, for all of us, as we think about that, it's like that's what we want God to do in our lives. But here's the thing is surrender. It's like a daily thing that we have to be open with God and say, God, this is hard for me because I hold on tight. You know, for all of us, especially during this time, $4 gas, right? Not quite $4, but it's getting close. High inflation, uncertainty. What does it make you want to do? And it makes me want to hold on tight. It shows that I'm not really surrendered. It's a daily thing that has to happen in our lives. And you know what's amazing I found? And so I sold my land. And as I said, I got more than I needed, so I made money on that. Never thought it would happen. And do you remember that deal I made with God? Three weeks passed, and you know what I did with the money? Is I just put it in my account, and I left it there. I had something new I had to surrender, didn't I? You know what's sad about the story, but what's true and real is that what had happened, and I'd been in so much pain, you know, God had come through for me in a big way, but I wanted to hold on again. I wanted to hold on to it, and I just wanted to feel comfortable for a while. You know, for me, I found a new area I had to surrender, my comfort. And so I was talking with a friend one day, and he looked at me and he said, do you remember what you told God? It doesn't appear you're going to do it. And I told him, oh, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to do it. I just, want to, I just want it there for a little while. 
And he looked at me and he had enough courage to tell me, he's like, I think you ought to do it now. Because that's what a surrendered heart looks like. And so I'm grateful for him. And I'm grateful I did. Because God, in a new way, gave me new eyes. And he gave me a new direction again. That he's continuing to grow in our hearts as we grow more close to him and we surrender more and more, he gets more of us. And man, I want that. I know for you, you want that today as well. And that's why I'm so excited that for us as a church family, we're going to go on a journey. And it's called the 90-Day Heart Challenge. And so next week is really going to be a week of commitment. And what you're going to be committing to is just signing up for the journey. And so as you walk into all of our campuses, you'll also see it online, is you'll have these cards on all of the pews, all of the seats. And it's not scary. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to write an amount. No, it's not about writing an amount. Because you see, the amount of surrender is different for each of us. We don't know where you're at in your journey, but what we want to do is we want to just surrender. And so for some of you, maybe you've never given, and it's like you're going to give consistently to the work of God's kingdom. You see, that's what it means to be open and surrender. For others of you, maybe you've given, but it hasn't been consistent and it hasn't been substantial where it really shows. Remember, this is a doorway to our hearts. It's how we lead our hearts in so many ways. I, there's a part of me, I wish it wasn't true, but I know it is. Jesus said it was true. And so for you, you need to make something, a gift over 90 days that is consistent and substantial where it moves your heart. Then for others of you, maybe you've been a consistent giver. Maybe you've given 10% your entire life. I know lots of people have been so faithful. I want you to know that God isn't done with you. That for 90 days, you can engage in something that is even more dramatic to really show your heart and to lead your heart and to demonstrate true surrender. You know, what you'll sign up for is basically to say next week, I'm on the journey no matter where I'm at. And through signing up, what you'll get is encouragement from us on the journey because we're a family and we go on journeys together. And so I want to encourage you this week to pray through what does it mean to surrender for you? What would that look like? And then plan to give regularly at whatever that is through your pathway family here because we're a family and we do things together. We give together, we serve together, and we surrender together. You know, remember, your heart is tied to what you hold tight. So this week, what is your heart tied so tightly to? You see, Jesus spoke to this. He knew that this is a hard area for us to surrender. And so he gave us these words that really show us the doorway to surrender for this area of our lives and shows us the why and shows us the new eyes that he wants us to have. 
Jesus said this, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, that's the heart of the matter. And that's what surrender looks like. I want to close today and pray that God would give us a posture of surrender. And then I also know there's some of you that you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity today to come and to be challenged, to challenge our hearts, for your Holy Spirit to explore our hearts about areas of our life where we are not fully surrendered to you. God, I pray that through this week as we seek you, that God, that you would show us the areas of what it looks like to fully surrender to you. God, I pray in this area of giving and generosity that you would show us, God, what it looks like for us to open our hands, to not hold on so tight, but to trust you and to especially trust you to provide for us in these uncertain times. That, God, that we are open-handed to you. But, God, this journey of surrender takes courage. And so, God, I know in my journey and in my life right now, God, I know to go on this journey, I need courage. I need courage that can only come from your Holy Spirit and you. And so today for all of us, right now, if you want to surrender an area of your life, if you want to surrender and be more generous, but you know you need the courage that can only come from God, I just want you to declare that to him by simply raising your hand and saying, God, I need your help. Raise your hand right now if that's you. If you need his help to surrender. Awesome. So many hands. So many hands. You're watching online, type me in the chat. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to come to you and ask for your help. God, we want to be surrendered people to you. God, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. God, that we would have the courage to take a step in our faith and in our walk with you. That God, that Jesus would truly own all of our hearts. And God, that we would be fully surrendered to you. God, I also know today that there's many in this room and many watching this that they have never surrendered their lives for the first time to Jesus. That they have never opened their lives and said, Jesus, I want to trust in you to be the leader and the savior of my life. I want to cross over that line of faith. And so today, if that's you, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart as a first step into that surrendered life, into that relationship with him. Father, I know that I have fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live the life that is truly life that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, no matter where you're at, 
if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I just want you to declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand right now. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, we pray that your spirit would guide them, that, God, that you would guide them to the surrendered life that you desire for them to have. God, I pray just like for all of us, they would believe your desires are better than any desire that they have for themselves. And so, God, I pray for courage to walk the new life that you've called them to walk, to know that that is the life that is truly life. God, we are grateful for what you want for our hearts and that you want all of our hearts. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.